Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Winchester Radio. Um, This is our podcast tonight. We're going to be talking about the uh, season finale of Supernatural called Sacrifice. Um, We are not going to be taking guest call-ins this evening because we actually have two very special guests that are going to be taking questions, and we're going to be talking about the finale probably along with uh, any other particular special effect that's happened during the season because we are very excited to have the uh, visual effects supervisor, Mark Malash, and his uh, cohort, Ryan Curtis, with us. Um, Hello, Mark and Ryan. Thank you very much for joining us. We're going to just talk and have questions. If you've got any questions for us, that's great. Uh, So let's just get started. Welcome to Winchester Radio. Thank you very much. Thank you. I've never been called a cohort before. <laughs> I, I hope you're okay with it. <laughs> Sounds good to me, yeah. <laughs> I, I, first thing I wanted to say, I want to you know, publicly you know, thank you guys uh, for the wonderful logo that you created for us. We were just super honored, just thrilled, and just over the moon when we received that. So everybody who's listening from the Blog Talk Radio website, when you see that Winchester Radio logo coming up, with the Impala and everything, that was made by Mark and the visual effects team. So thank you so much. No, you're very welcome. It was fun to do. Yeah, we it's loved it. Absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Well, and you guys, you know, like I said, you guys, uh, you guys uh, helped tie all the fans together. So uh, it's uh, it's my way of uh, giving back a little bit. We really do feel your support on this end, and uh, we appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and So you guys enjoyed the uh, final episode? Oh, fantastic. Yes. Oh boy. It was it was wonderful. It was wonderful and traumatizing and heartbreaking <laughs> <laughs> and probably everything you guys just just uh, figured it would be for us, you know, are we, is this enough to really uh, traumatize fandom? Yes, it succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, you can thank, uh, you can thank the wonderful writing team and uh, you can thank Phil Segresha, the director of that episode as well. Uh, he had a, he had a good vision. Uh, I enjoyed working with him on that. We, uh, we, we thank everyone because it's, uh, it, it, uh, it takes a village to make a supernatural episode a really Big village of wonderfully talented people. Absolutely, all of you, all of you. Absolutely, in front of and behind the camera and in the writers' room and everywhere. We were talking before actually. Uh, uh, you called in that we're so excited a lot to have have uh, members of the crew on because we don't. Uh, you aren't ordinarily out there to to within like uh, fandom and get to see or, or listen to reactions to your work and we just like you to know that it is appreciated and enjoyed we have lots of questions and are interested to find that out about everything oh. and give you a little a forum to get some kudos because you deserve it well, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. The team here, you know, I feel uh, there's. I feel a little bit guilty uh, 
as kind of the face of the visual effects department here, it's uh, it's interesting. I started off on the uh, in the other trailer. We actually work out of two. Uh, it's very glamorous. Our digs are very glamorous. We work out of two construction trailers, uh, a smaller one and a larger one. The uh, artists have the larger one on just beside us. It has our server room with all our computers, and uh, you know we make it as comfortable as we can. Uh, wonderful, wonderful digs. Very, very glamorous. Very glamorous. Uh, they're really the engine behind this whole thing is the artists because they're the ones that are, are actually doing the work. Um, I mean, my job is more just structuring the shots and collaborating with the directors and the producers and the writers and at all to make sure that, uh, you know, the collective vision ends up on the screen. But really, it's the artists. They're the ones that make or break a shot. And this year, I was so proud of my crew. I couldn't help. I had to hop on Twitter, and I had to, uh, I had to gush a little bit because I was, I was so proud of the crew. I really was. They just knocked it out of the park. So I'm glad that everybody enjoyed it. Oh, definitely. And I think people still are not having stopped talking about, you know, that final scene with the angels falling from the mm. sky. So why don't we just jump in and just tell us about that scene? How, you know, how did, how, how was it scripted? And, you know, what did it say in the script? Did you go, you know, was it told, was it, what did it say in the script and how did you go from there and how did you create the scene? Well, it's always an interesting thing because at the very beginning, it's uh, it's everybody handles their jobs differently. For me, it kind of goes, there's that moment of terror where you actually get the script and you read the one line that says, uh, you know, uh, thousands of meteors are falling from the sky. And that's it. Uh, and then the emotion of it is built into it as as the project develops. But when you initially read it, it's like, hmm, how are we going to do that? So there is that uh, that initial moment of panic I go through whenever I read a script and there's like, you know, it's like that with every visual effect, it seems. The ones with like the smoking out, with uh, like when Abaddon was smoking out, those kind of things, we've done those so often that we pretty well have it down to a science. And we always try and shake it up a little bit as we go along. But when it comes to things like Abaddon is running around and she's completely engulfed in flames... That takes that's a that's a little bit nightmarish at the beginning because uh, it has to it has to look as good as possible obviously for people to be able to buy it, and so there's a fair amount of R and D that have to go into that. Then the discussions with the directors uh, as to what their vision wants to see, uh, what they want to see as far as the uh, the effects uh, on screen. So it's a collaboration as we go along. For the angel falling shots, it seems like. Uh, Phil Segrish and I were pretty well on the same page from the beginning. Both of us, when we were having our conversations, Phil wanted something epic. And typically on our show, as the fans will notice, that we're very tight. It's a very... Um, I, I happen to be a horror fan, which is why I dig my job so much. Part of the uh, the kind of aesthetic of the show and uh, other directors, like uh, movie directors like uh, John Carpenter, kind of uh, have the same kind of feel in their approach. It tends to be very closed in, almost uh, claustrophobic. You're always there with the boys. You're always seeing what they're seeing. Very seldom do we get a shot in uh, in visual effects that widens out, that gives us some scope, like a cityscape or something like that. So when you get a chance to read and work with someone who has this uh, grand vision of a thousand, you know, over the, over a million meteors falling to the ground and they're falling angels. And well, then that's actually, that's, you, have, you kind of have to be up for the challenge. So typically for inspiration, I mean, I have my own visions in my head too. So I take what I'm hearing from the producers and what I'm hearing from the director and 
kind of mulling that over and coming up with my own plan and my own approach. Then I go to the artists and I talk to the artists and then we have our creative and it's like, this is what I'm thinking, but does anybody have any good ideas or how we can make this even more grand? So it kind of, that's the way it goes with that shot in particular. It really was the, uh, how are we going to get the scope that we needed for this to be a, a global, big, huge, Effect. It had to be. It had to be stellar. <laughs> literally, it had to be uh, a big, grand something fitting for the ending of season eight, and particularly because of the subject matter. I mean, we have Cass now, who's been who's down on Earth, and we've got all his cohorts up in uh, up in heaven being thrown down. It, there's a certain uh, emotional attachment that's connected to that as well. So, really, in our approach, talking with Phil. It was meant to be grand. It was meant to be as spectacular as we could do it, given the time and given the you know uh, what we have to work with. Uh, and I think that right from the beginning, the fact that Phil and I were on the same page, uh, I think that's the reason that the effect at the end uh, worked so well. On top of that, you know, uh, I, I just have to say that one of the, the biggest thrills for me too is when when you guys see the show, I'm seeing the show for the first time as well. I see snippets of it. I see it get to be built from the ground up as the episodes progress. Mm -hmm. But I don't actually get to see the final mix or the final sound or the final music uh, or the the, uh, the lead into it, uh, the then, the now, all that stuff. I'm seeing it for the first time as well. So for me, it's a bit of a, a thrill, maybe a little egocentric too, to be able to see my shots in there with all of the visual with the with all their glory with all of the other artistry added to it meaning the the foley like the sound the music that's attached to it uh the final edit and how they've tweaked little things uh it really is quite thrilling and i know that the artists on the other side really get a charge out of seeing their shots in their final form and i call them their final form because really they're not in their final form until they're in the final show we see snippets, but that's pretty well all that we see as we go along. So with Phil, the development of those shots for the end, uh, for the the real like the the end of season eight, uh, I have to I have to hand it to Phil. He we had talked about grand kind of shots. Uh, he accommodated. Um, we built it in. We worked back and forth. There was a, a few go arounds as far as what the angels were going to look like. Uh, I created some animatics, which are just uh, rough, rough animations of what things will look like. Ryan and I tend to be on set, so we were photographing the area that they were filming. Uh, that church, by the way, only had two walls, the front and one side. So okay. uh, the, the one that you saw outside, the rest was shot on the stage here. So that was actually quite amazing, too. I am a total geek beautiful. when it comes to that stuff. They did, a, uh, I tell you, they did an, an excellent job. That church was beautiful in its decrepit form mm -hmm. it was beautiful so we managed while we were out on location uh ryan and i went around and we surveyed the area with our 35 millimeter uh with our uh, 35s and uh our digital cameras and shot a bunch of uh stills so what that enables us to do is to come back we can take uh those images and we can piece together animatics so in other words i had a picture of the church that i had taken so I get to put that into, we work in uh, After Effects here and Nuke, um, bring it into After Effects and actually build in my interpretation of the meteors in a rough form. And that way I can feed it to Phil. He can take a look at it, see how they're moving, the number of meteors, 
uh, and it gives everybody an idea of what to expect. And then from there, we kind of build it, much like the show is built itself. So really, as far as the uh, the way that that went along, it comes down to the nightmarish beginning when I read the uh, uh, read the script and I get that awful sinking feeling in my stomach, thinking, "Oh God, how are we going to accomplish this?" To finally getting a chance to watch it on a Wednesday night and go, "Oh my God, I'm glad it's over." But then seeing the, just the grandeur of it with all the other artistry, with the sound and the editing, and and getting caught up in the storyline too. When you're seeing it in pieces, we don't get a chance to do that either. So when you guys see it and you're thrilled to see it, really, I'm I'm there completely with you. I think that's why I have an appreciation for the fans because I'm a fan myself. So really, as far as the evolution of the shot goes, that's kind of the way it happens for that one there. Mm-hmm. And, and since this, you, oh, go ahead. Hello, Danny. Oh. I was gonna say since you don't since you don't see it in its final form until the air date, what has been the visual effects moment for you seeing it done that just kind of took your breath away? Like we did that. Well, you know, for me, uh, seeing it in the context of the show is one thing. For me, I get a charge out of seeing the sound effects and the music put to it because that's the other it. It injects, like visually, yeah, I think that we, we, we do a great job visually. But as far as the emotion of it, that extra little layer of icing that makes the cake complete, that really is the, that is the sound guys and the Foley guys, and they're the ones that really put to it. So really the biggest thrill for me is to see the shots that we've produced here, but with sound. That's, uh, and in the context of a full show. Because, uh, like I said, I'm seeing it really for the first time in that context, and uh, I'm still a total geek when it comes to uh, to the genre, and I'm a fan of the show too. So for me, that's the biggest thrill, is to see how someone else, another artist, is interpreting our shots, which were done by a bunch of artists on the other side, and uh, how they've added to it. So that's the culmination of, of everything. That's the biggest thrill, I think, for me. Mm-hmm. So for you, it's a very much a final product kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's after the final because we're just we're just a set of artists that are working with a bunch of other artists on the show, and really, we never get a chance to see as far as the visual effects go uh, all of the extra artistry that's added to our stuff. So you know what? It's uh, I guess it's the equivalent of seeing um, when we're working with the camera guys, say our uh, uh, our uh, camera operator um, Brad. He uh, I guess it would be akin to him shooting something on set that has a visual effect in it, but he really doesn't get a chance to see the final product. So for him, he's mm-hmm. an artist himself, the way that he does his work, along with Serge, our DP. Uh, so I guess it would be the equivalent of him kind of seeing a visual effect shot placed into his shot. It's another set of artists that are another layer on the cake. And then so we get that's how we view the shots is with the final what they've shot with our effects in it. And then for us, it goes beyond that because there's still another layer that goes over the top of that, which is the final gloss. The color timing is another thing. Uh, S.P. Arkel is our uh, color timist on the show. She, uh, he's he's does a great job. Um, again, just another layer of artistry that goes over top of the entire thing. So again, I think it's just it's the final it's the final piece it's the final gloss. This is the final mm-hmm. shot at the end with the music and everything. Mm-hmm. 
Now you have to match the actor's uh, of reactions also, right, because sometimes they're acting with nothing, like a green screen Absolutely. or like in Hunter Heroicide with the cartoons and, and um, the characters' heads and all that. Absolutely. So, I mean, we had with the uh, opening of that episode when we have the uh, – the poor sod on the edge of the building, and he's uh, he's about to step off. Well, part of that was shot. Uh, part of that was shot on the edge of the building itself. He was actually tethered. So when you see the wider shots with him standing on the edge, that is our actor. There is. It's not a stunt man. It's not someone else. It's him. He's got a. He's in a harness. He's got a wire that's keeping him from going over the edge. But he is standing and looking about what eight stories down, something like that. So that was that in itself is a visual effect shot because we have to paint up the wire. But he is there for the stuff where he's actually stepping off the edge. Part of that was actually shot on the roof of the uh, of the building itself. So he has a bit of an advantage because he's already seen what it's like to stand on the edge of the building and look over the edge. So when we pull him away from the edge, stand him on a green screen, and he's looking down. As an actor, he can already envision what he's seeing, so that helps the performance. In other cases, uh, we have actors who, like you said, are acting to absolutely nothing. Case in point, Abaddon uh, on fire. Well, everybody's, you know, she's flailing around and she's doing her, her thing and, you know, well, really it's just a woman flailing around with no spectacular anything <laughs> happening, except the performance, of course. So it's really we have to we have these conversations with the actors, and some actors are uh, are more uh, curious about what they're going to see. Other ones, as far as direction goes, take what am I seeing here, and then I'll explain, and they'll say, okay, just tell me what I need to do. So we'll say it's coming towards you. Hold up your hands. Do something like that. But uh, other other actors, uh, Jared and Jensen, are the perfect examples. That when you start explaining to them exactly what is going to be happening in the shot they start adding their own layers as well. So they're like, okay, how about I do this, or how about I move off to the side, or is it going in that direction, because then I can look over there. And So they help the perform. They, they help us out so much, because uh, when things don't line up, when an actor's looking in the wrong spot, uh, sometimes the eye lines are, are off, um, those are things that if we can, we have to go in and repair them, or split-screen things, or move someone's arm because they haven't got it in the right spot. And it's challenging for us, too, because, like I say, it's all theory while we're standing on set saying this is what's going to happen. But until it's actually edited together and we see what the performance actually, how it's registered, uh, you know, on, quote, film, um, we don't really know how the visual effects are going to play either to a certain degree because sometimes it's dependent on the performance itself, a la Abaddon, when she's waving her heart, her arms around, well, as far as the flames that we're attaching to her body to bring her up into, you know, a human torch, um, it could be that uh, she's flailing uh, a little bit too fast for the effect to really read, or she's flailing too slow. In this case, uh, Elena did a, an awesome job. She uh, she really was a sport about all the things that we had to put her through, with you know cutting off her head and cutting off her hands and setting her on fire. And I think uh, you know I think Christopher Richardson, our uh, our lead artist, actually apologized to her on Twitter 
for all the things he had to do to her in that episode because they were pretty well all his shots. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's sometimes it's difficult, but uh, if we can have a creative conversation with the actors themselves, then uh, everybody's on the same page, and that helps us out. Uh, Mark Shepard is another one who uh, I love working with Mark Shepard because he's got his own take on it, and he's you can tell that when you're talking to him, he's he's envisioning the whole thing in his head. So when he throws out little things like, okay, so how about and how about we do this and uh, you know, like, so it's going to be going over my head so I can look, I can duck a little bit, and, oh, it might be cool if I move off to the side, and those kind of things that he interjects as he goes along, along with Jared and Jensen, um, that only that only helps the end, uh, the end product, because the reaction between the actors and the things that they're not actually seeing themselves but are going to be put in later, uh, it helps tie everything together. So, Yes, it is a challenge, but uh, some actors are uh, some actors are are more. Uh, I want to know the emotion of it so that I can do the reacting. But then other people too are more. Just tell me what I need to do and where I need to be at this time. Uh, and we're we're appreciative of both of those things because it only helps the effects. Is there one effect that you look at and you think of when that? I am so proud of that one. I, you know, we put a look. That is the one I'm most proud of. You know, is there one specific one you would have in mind? There are. We have, like, the guys have just uh, have knocked uh, so many balls out of the park this year. So, uh, for the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, uh, Elena Huffman and setting her on. So that would be Abaddon setting her on fire. I think that most people looking at that shot. That series of shots, I think there was about four in that sequence, uh, would be hard-pressed to, to, to know that that wasn't actually someone on fire. Uh, someone who knows what a real burn looks like, meaning when you set a stuntman on fire, what that looks like, they tend to go up like a Roman candle, and the flames tend to be very, very high, like eight, nine feet above their heads because of just the, the heat pulling everything up. And uh, it's, it can be very effective, but uh, it's a little bit, I think it's actually a little bit prettier in CG because we have a little bit more control. Um, so, yeah, so those flames that we, we cracked the code on, uh, that was Trevor, he, uh, our, our uh, lead 3D artist, he worked on that. Um, and, and extending a bit of uh, R&D that had done by uh, Emily Fang, our uh, lead 3D last year. So it just, it worked so well, and the fact that we got to have those CG flames and have her actually smoke out at the same time, well, that's that's pretty well, that's a geek's wet dream because it's like uh, we've got all these things going on and it's such an intense scene. It was great. So that really, that sequence, I'm very, very proud of that sequence. I think it worked so well, and I think the, uh, the artist really uh, took the bulls by the horn and knocked it out of the park. So, yeah, that's the one that I'm really... I'm really thrilled with. Now, uh, of course, after 23 episodes, the ones that at the very beginning, um, it's all a bit of a blur, to tell you the truth. I'm literally, this is my last day. I'm at the studio right now. I'm just closing down and doing some archiving, and I'm just decompressing. (laughs) So it takes me a moment to actually think back, because episode one seems like it was 100 years ago. It really does. So the more recent ones are the ones that seem to jump into my head. But uh, I don't know, do you guys, are there any effects that you guys liked over the season that you think 
were were uh, above and beyond. I well, the one that comes to mind when I, I think about it is when Kevin first used the um, demon bombs. Um, I forget which episode was is one of the first episodes when you know he oh. uh, he read the when he read this um, the tablet and came up with the ingredients to make the demon bomb thing that just you know threw them all against the wall and they just the, disappeared. The demon that nuke. was amazing. Yes. That yeah, was that amazing. was. Uh, that was a good. We actually got a chance to. Uh, I think we did. Uh, we did three of those over the course of the season. Uh, yeah, there was the uh, the one uh, with uh, with Kevin. Uh, there was the one that Sam threw in the warehouse with the uh, the group of demons. Uh, that's uh, and then there was uh, the other one in the uh, warehouse when he takes out the other two. Uh, and I think it's uh, I think it's uh, Dean who throws that one if I recall. Mm -hmm. Um, So we got a chance to do it three times. Each time we tried to change it up a little bit. Uh, That was uh, Steve McLeod, who was the uh, lead artist, uh, or was the artist on that, the 2D artist. So he spearheaded that stuff. Um, The plates, it was more of a complicated shot because really what you're seeing are are plates. Actors, they're just, uh, our stunt guys are just, we say bang. I work with Serge in order to get the interactive light in place. Uh, then the actors kind of just walk backwards. Um, they're projected onto 3D, and their models are kind of thrown and burned apart. And so those effects were a little bit uh, more over the top, a little bit harder to accomplish. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought that the uh, they were violent enough that I think that they uh, they sold the story. It was gorgeous, gorgeous effects. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question about an effect that's that's actually been around on Supernatural for many seasons, not just this one, but I think this season is the first time it's it's the demon smoke when they're when they're exercised out of out of their meat suit and usually it's it's black or like charcoal color, but Crowley had red smoke and uh-huh. did I see that and Abaddon's was her smoke a little bit different color? I mean maybe that was just me, <laughs> my eyes. Yeah, but I, I think her Abaddon's. Uh, yeah, Abaddon's. Uh, Abaddon's smoke was actually she. Uh, she coughed up our our usual uh, black gray smoke. Um, um, it may have okay. taken on a different uh, different tinge because she was still burning at that time. So the smoke's mm-hmm. illuminated by the uh, by the orange light in the uh, in the okay. room. But well, she was a uh, knight yeah. of hell. So I thought, well, maybe she's got different smoke too because she was considered a knight of hell. Well, it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't in the script. It was. Uh, it was just mm-hmm. a regular demon smoke okay. out. But we got very excited over the fact that uh, we we got a chance to make the smoke red. One of the challenges in the show too with our smoke. Um, there's a there's a joke in visual effects that uh, all the producers want to see something black at night. It never <laughs> fails. The black smoke, black inky smoke. But we're going to shoot it at night. Okay, we'll 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 give that a shot. So that's kind of that's kind of the bane of I think every uh, visual effects person's existence is really really effects that are supposed to be really really dark in really really dark rooms. Um, doesn't really uh, it doesn't really work. But you know we give it a shot. So we were extremely excited uh, when we found out that we were possibly going to get a chance to make Crowley smoke red. I mean I think everybody that we got such a charge out of that we're like ah oh, finally mm-hmm. we get a chance to use a different color. <laughs> then at one point, one point over the course of the development of the show, there was word that came down that uh, we're not too sure that we're actually going to be making it red. 
You'll have to hold on that. So we actually surged ahead when we had the the effect. At that point, we weren't sure which way it was going to go. We actually rushed to get a version out that showed the smoke in its red form because we were all so jazzed about it and it and it looked so good that we 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 pushed it through. We did one shot, sent it down to see to get approvals because we just wanted to say like, hey, look at how cool this looks. So uh, mm. yeah, the red smoke was actually that was uh, that was something above and beyond. And uh, even Mark got a got a kick out of it too. The fact that his his smoke in quotes his smoke was going to be red. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, it was uh, that was a great uh, that was a great. Mm, uh, it was fact. perfect. I like that one too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got a kick out of that and noticed it right away. It was like, ooh, probably smoke is red. Perfect. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, that was a little bit more over the top, and I think it caught a few people uh, off guard. But uh, mm-hmm. hey, that's that's the best thing is we love it when we can shake things up. Um, this year we did uh, quite a few uh, beheadings as well, as we do on the show all the time. But this year I think took the cake. We were lopping off coconuts right, left, and center. It was like <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, so even then, we try to do them in different fashions. Have the uh, uh, the purgatory ones uh, were worked out pretty good when uh, they were trying to make their way back with uh, Bobby and uh, you know uh, Bobby and Sam, um, and they're attacked by the vampires. Uh, one of those like the the stuntmen were just having a blast. So there's a couple in there that if you watch, they're a little different from what we've done. We had a uh, one stuntman. I'm sorry, I don't know his name. Uh, Sam takes a swing at this guy and takes his head off. And this guy does the most beautiful horizontal pirouette in the air before he falls down and his head goes spiraling off in the other direction with a nice trail of blood behind it. And all of us saw it. It just kind of worked. And we were all like, oh, that's cool. So I don't know. Maybe you have to be a little sick to do this job now that I think about it. I don't know. (laughs) Well, you know, we we would have to be just as sick because we enjoy it a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's I think that's certainly a commonality between all of us, all of the fans. Is uh, yeah, it, the 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 show certainly uh, uh, certainly takes it in different directions, and uh, it's interesting because we run into um, obviously the there are sensors that are involved with this as well. We just can't show anything. Lord knows we have tried on occasion, but we do we do have our our limits as far as how we can push things. So there's a fine that's part of the artistry of it too is although you're watching someone be decapitated, that in itself is an awful awful premise. So you know, when we're doing those shots, there's a certain amount of research and development that goes into trying to get the right looks. So it's probably one of the few places that, as far as the Internet goes, there's some pretty choice stuff that ends up on our screens in the studio here because when we're lopping off hands and lopping off heads and we're giving a gunshot wound and we have to have someone with their head stuck in an oven and burn them, we need some place to start. So the place you start is on the Internet. It's a source of all things vile. So... We start there, but unfortunately, uh, many of us have been scarred by some of the stuff that we've seen on the internet while we're doing our research. So, oh we have to, yeah, we have to we have to stylize it. We have to we have to pull it back. There are a few rules that we uh, that we have to abide by in order for uh, 
the uh, the sensors to allow that to go through. Uh, no arterial blood, so uh, when someone gets their head cut off, you notice that there isn't a lot of spray. Uh, mm-hmm. When someone gets their head cut off, you'll notice there isn't a lot of blood in general, actually. We've got a few trickles that run down for effect down the neck, down the stump. But other than that, that's about uh, that's about it. And the cuts are always very clean. So no uh, no ragged stumps. We can't uh, we can't uh, we can't make it too gory. Here's a uh, here's a little fun fact for you. In uh, the second last episode, it would have been uh, 22. Uh, the we uh, flashback was the name of the episode. We have we're bringing back old characters, as you recall. And one of them is the guy from the Wendigo episode. Mm-hmm. And his head explodes at the beginning of the episode. Well, the way it was shot was he leans against, his eyes bulge out, we made him bleed, uh, veins pop out, he falls out of frame, and they fire the blood cannon on the door. Then we see him fall onto the floor. Now, what you guys saw was there was actually two shots in that. One where he hits the floor, and we're above him looking down. That's the one that you guys saw, with the kind of a ragged stump uh, and the blood pool that starts. What you didn't see was there's a shot while he's hitting the floor, while we're actually in front of him at ground level, and as he falls, his head has been blown off. (laughs) This is when we try to push the boundaries of things, and then they, they wrap our knuckles. He's actually blowing off, his head is blown off, but it's from about the mid-mouth up. So it's just kind of cavern with ears. And uh, our animators (laughs) animators went to town and actually had skin flapping and the whole bit. And we thought it was like, we saw it. We're like, oh, you know what? Okay, we're going to try and push this through, but there's there's no way that they're going to let this go. We pretty well knew. So, uh, you know, lo and behold, uh, Todd Arnar, my my boss, uh, gave us a shout and said, well, you know, um, uh, the, the shots look awesome, but I have a feeling that uh, standards and practices might have an issue with them. So can you, in a preparatory way, just kind of clean it up a little bit? So what we did is we went back. Uh, we already had a stump from our previous uh, beheadings, changed the kind of the halfway through the head uh, gag down to just the stump and replace that and then we replace the stump on the other shot as well but because it's so visceral and in your face as he's sliding towards the camera they ended up not going with that shot at all so it's it can be a challenge sometimes we you know we get we get bored with doing the same thing all over so we try to shake it up a little bit but sometimes we push it a little bit too far and we get mm-hmm. caught, and then we go and we do it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you mentioned, like, being kind of sick to do and watch. I'm going, I want that. I want that one. I want to see that one. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, who knows? At some point, I don't know. Maybe it'll end up on Vimeo or something like that. I don't know what the uh, I don't know what the rules are with showing you stuff that's been cut out of the show. But uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it was a nice shot. Like the overall, the sequence worked really well. And but it was, I think, a little bit too uh, too visceral and too real. Um, and uh, you know, our 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 job is to entertain and maybe gross out a little bit, but you know, we don't want anybody passing out in front of their television either. So sometimes we have to pull it back. Uh, that was extremely gross. You know, like I said, it was like popping, like turning purple and like a, gr- it, like it, a grape. It, 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. It was so gross. So what we, what you did get on the screen was still really, really gross. So. Excellent. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> we do have fun. We do have fun with what we do because it's uh, it's always a mystery. You know, we're here we are done season eight. They're going to be starting in the writer's room soon, um, creating the arcs for the next season. Uh, so it's a mystery as to what exactly the monster du jour will be uh, for next season. So um, it's as much of a surprise for me as it will be for you guys. Now, you you mentioned that sometimes, you know, you get bored, you know, doing the same effect over and over. That was actually one of the questions I was going to ask. Is there one effect that you're just super tired of doing, like maybe, you know, the black eyes or, you know, something like that? Well, you know what? You hit it right on the head. If it has to be anything, it has to be the black eyes. The black eyes are really more an exercise, more of a technical exercise. Uh, We pull the glints out of the eyes themselves, so we're using the actual reflections in the eyes. We isolate those, uh, and we put them on a separate layer. Then we black out the eyes, put those glints, the reflections, back over top, and that gives it the realism uh, that we need in order to be able to sell the effect. Because typically when the eyes turn on and off, they're still smooth surfaces. They would still reflect the same light, still have the same highlights, that kind of thing. So that's part, it's more of a, a technical challenge than anything else. Uh, part of the, the reason that originally um, when the show started, we were using black contacts. And on occasion for very long scenes, uh, we still use black contacts. But the uh, sclera lenses, which are their contact lenses, but they're huge. They cover the whole eye. Um, And you can get them with varying sizes, but the bigger they are, the more uncomfortable they are because they're covering an entire eyeball. They're not just covering the uh, the cornea. So even when we have the sclera lenses in and the eyes are black, the edges are still white. They don't actually go right to the edges of the eyes. So as the actor is looking around and delivering their dialogue, we see these white edges. And what it means is that we have to go back in there anyways and fix them. So that being said, in order to have them come on and off, it's pretty well just a given fact now that the eyes have been uh, given to visual effects. It just gives us more control. But on the occasion that we know that there's a scene where they're going to be, uh, like as an example, the um, uh, the demon that was uh, being uh, uh, turned into a human uh, in, what was that? That was two episodes ago, three episodes ago. Uh, when he's uh, talking about, you know, uh, when you ate his children... How did how, what did you how did you feel? And he's oh, stabbing him in the that. neck with the syringe. Exactly. So his eyes are black through that. Those are actually contacts for most of that uh, scene. However, we've been in there and we've corrected the uh, we've corrected the edges. That's because if the scene is going to go on for an extremely long time, uh, the eyes can be very time consuming depending on the light. Also, for performance, there's a problem with performance because if an actor is trying to, if they're uh, addressing two characters, two other actors in the room, two other characters, and their eyes are shifting from one actor to the other actor, the fact that we've gone in and we've pretty well omitted their eyes, the, we, we actually end up destroying the performance because they, you can't see their eyes flicking back and forth. So we have to be careful when I'm on set and I'm supervising if I'm there for the eyes. It's more like just try and keep your gaze steady. And if you have to deliver lines to someone else, you have to actually turn your head. 
So small things like that we've learned over the course of the seasons that, you know, our job is not to, to take anything away from the show. And so sometimes we need a little help. Those are the instances where we go to the actors and we request a little bit of help and ha- ask them to modify their performance a little bit because literally you wouldn't know who they were looking at and it can get confusing if they're supposed to be delivering one line of dialogue to a particular character in the room and you can't see their eyes move it, it can become confusing for the for the uh for the watcher because you don't know who he's actually been talking to so things like that can be a challenge but yes the eyes we are definitely tired of doing eyes but i have a <laughs> feeling that that is going to be a part of the show for a very long time the next two seasons i hope at least <laughs> With the within the film um, last week, at least she got to do, do a different color. Her eyes were silver. Absolutely, absolutely, and I'm glad that they read as silver too, because that was one of the uh, that was one of that was actually how it was scripted. Her eyes flash silver. Well, it's mm-hmm. it's unless you have some kind of uh, internal illumination, particularly that was a fairly dark scene. That can be a challenge as well, because they they to have something flash silver. Silver is actually a material. It's not a. It's not a color. It reflects the color. It's not. Uh, it's not illuminated. So if it's in a dark environment, it itself is going to be dark. So we actually ended up. Uh, we actually that was uh, Werner who uh, Werner uh, Tenhoof who uh, ended up doing those eyes. And uh, there were a few iterations that we went through in order to make them read. But uh, I was very happy with those. I thought that they looked great. Uh, it was out of the norm for us, and when they flashed on and off, he also uh, Werner was also uh, responsible for uh, creating the uh, the knife in the neck shot. That uh, was our 3D department creating the angel knife, and uh, Werner comping it in. So uh, you know it's moving around when she gets stabbed before she uh, she kind of flares out there. Mm-hmm. So yes, that was uh, that's that's like the red smoke. It's nice when we get a change to <laughs> a chance to do something different. <laughs> yeah. Um... There's another effect that uh, effect that I just love, and again, it's been part of Supernatural since the fourth season when the angels came, is that when an angel is killed and the beautiful black sort of shadow effect of their wings. Aha, uh-huh, yes. Gorgeous. I mean, it's so, so beautiful. I just I, had a... I- I just had a conversation with uh, one of the artists that worked on the very last uh, uh, Castiel wing shot um, when they're they're haggling over the tablet and he's about to break the table uh, and he's talking with uh, uh, Crowley mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and he flares and his wings open up and whatnot. Uh, that was, I think, the third time that we've seen that effect on on Cass, where he's actually he's he's grandstanding. You know, he's powering up mm-hmm. there, you know, he means business. Uh, it really right. is such a beautiful effect, I, ha- I have to say. Um, I was fortunate enough that the uh, the first of those shots, um, uh, how many seasons ago now, geez, I don't even remember, uh, when Cass is in the barn, and I think it's when we first meet Cass, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually, I got a chance, that was that was one of the shots that I got a chance to work on. So the, uh, the first, uh, as an artist on the other side, before I actually moved to supervisor here, um, I was lead artist on the other side, and that was one of my shots, and I just, I loved working on that shot. It just had mm-hmm. such a, uh, a grand feel to it. So it was interesting this time as supervisor to be able to set up the shot. Um, it's, uh, the shot is very symmetrical in order to give some, give some uh, 
dimension to the to the frame to make it a little bit bigger. And uh, the artist that worked on it uh, was uh, Kevin Genzel, who's uh, just an, an excellent artist. And I'm so glad he got a chance to work on that shot because that whole sequence with Cass's uh, glowing eyes, uh, just his aura, that whole thing, that was all Kevin. And he did an excellent job. I was, I was actually, I was so, I was very proud of those shots. I thought that they looked, mm-hmm. they looked great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was all. Uh, that was all Kevin who uh, did those, and uh, and the wings. We actually had to go diving, and we hadn't done the shot in so long that we had to go diving into the archives. Uh, time is short for us. We we only have eight days or so to to put to everything together. So time is short. We didn't want to have to recreate wings because they have to be built. They have to be animated. So we actually went digging into the archives and uh, found a set of uh, Cass's wings from seasons past and uh got a chance to uh reuse it in that shot and it uh it looked great. I was I was very happy with that shot. Mm, they are gorgeous. I like the dead angel wings as well. The dead angel That's wings you know are just the, Yeah, we haven't uh, we haven't actually seen those uh there's mm-hmm. there's an evolution in the show too. As you know, do you remember when um uh, angels originally when angels were killed, there was a uh, a, a heck of an explosion. Uh, in fact, it took out a factory almost at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, that, because the, just with the way that the story arc goes, I think that that has kind of fallen on the wayside a little bit, uh, only because we would be destroying whole cities with the amount of angels that we've taken <laughs> out in the last episode. So I think it's been pared back, and it's more of a specialized, uh, mm-hmm. more of a specialized effect now. But uh, mm-hmm. even the uh, the smiting and whatnot. Those are all exercises in in light, and really that's on this show. Uh, this year may be a little bit more of an exception than seasons past, but uh, Eric Kripke, Kripke, as as when he was uh, showrunner and the, obviously the creator of the show, um, the uh, the the visual effects were uh, very much more uh, subdued. Uh, there was nothing too flashy. There was never anything too too over the top. Uh, in fact, um, we accomplish in one episode now the number of shots that were in the entire first season of Supernatural. Wow. Yeah, that's wow. just one episode now. So we're going through that 23 times over the course of a season this year. We did an extra uh, 400 or so shots this year, which is about uh, 45% more shots than we've done in seasons past with the same crew, with the same amount of time, all of that stuff. So it was it was a challenge. But it's uh it's always interesting to uh to see how that uh, how that comes about. I'm watching and, the scene right now where the where the angels are falling and talking about the wings, you know, there was the one scene where we see the angels' wings burn off. How different was it with you know, or those wings? Those those were actually created from from scratch. Those were uh, those were animated. Uh, it's a specialized shot that was, uh, and that the animatic for that was created uh, very very early in order to get the right kind of feel for that. Um, Jeremy Carver, uh, I think that he was a little uncertain about that shot when uh, when Phil had uh, proposed it. I had created the animatic more to sell the point because really it's a it's a shot that you're outside the viewpoint of the boys. Like, although Dean is looking up, he's not that close to the angel. So in a way, it's a specialized shot. You're kind of pulling the viewer out of the uh, current surroundings 
bringing them a couple hundred feet up in the air to where this angel is having his wings burned off, and then we kind of crash back down again. Uh, and I think that Jeremy initially wasn't too, too keen on that approach. But I think after he saw the uh, the animatic and, and uh, some of the ideas that Phil was bringing to it and um, the way it was uh, realized by the visual effects department, um, I think it turned out to be a, a pretty cool shot. So we went to town on that. That was created fairly early in the uh, uh, in the whole process and um, just kind of evolved. We had, uh, we had a little bit more time to work on that shot, um, and it had a few iterations too, uh, again, trying to read it and uh, trying to make sure that you can tell it's a human. And uh, Originally, we had him fall, and we had him in a position that as he rotated and the way the light was playing off him, it actually looked like he didn't have a head. So those are things you can't really forecast until you see a render, until you see the actual shot put together. And then... And it's, sometimes, it's, uh, sometimes it's more people who see it for the first time. And uh, sometimes you have to gauge a shot because we're looking at it for weeks on end sometimes in the, in the initial development stage. And you tend, to, you tend to get locked into certain, like, oh, let's make the wings look a certain way. But you can start to forget that uh, the head is getting darker as it's evolving to a point that although we know there's a head there, someone who's looking at it won't see that. So you have to kind of uh, open that up to uh, some viewing, and uh, when someone has a, a point or a, or a critique of the shot before anyone else sees it, you kind of have to take it to heart and uh, and see if you can see what they're seeing. It helps remove you from the shot because you've been so close to it for so long. So that shot, the wings, yes, the wings were created fresh for that. Uh, the fire sims um, were the same. It was the same approach we took with... Uh, Abaddon and her fire sims. Uh, they take a really long time to do. Uh, there's a lot of tweaking that has to go on to get the fire looking right. Uh, and also the uh, the airflow that's kind of pushing over the angel. He's traveling at uh, terminal velocity. So the flames are going to change their look a little bit. And that's stuff you can't see until the final render. So uh, yeah, I was happy with those angel shots. Uh, I thought that uh, particularly that one, it, again, something that was different from what we've done in the past. Mm. Yeah, and, and that can't be said about that that final scene. It was final scene. It was absolutely gorgeous, and like you said, the the scope of it was huge. And it, it really was. Particularly, I I, I love. I've seen I've seen that end shot. Well, in total, I've probably seen it about a hundred times because of its development. But I've seen it about, I've watched it about eight times already in its final form, as you guys see the shot. And uh, I, it just still comes back to the, I, I keep harping on it, but it comes back to the sound and the music, the way that it kind of all pulls together at the end. It really is as epic as, uh, as I think it should have been. You know, and mm-hmm. um, I'm just uh, uh, like Phil really did such a the direction in that show was great. Uh, so ah, I'm, again, I'm just I'm glad that everybody enjoyed it, and I'm glad that the the message, the storytelling aspect of things translate uh, because that's really the biggest that's the biggest challenge we have is trying to sell the story at every go. You know, it has to be going in a certain direction, it has to be a certain color, it has to be violent, it has to be subdued. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's too bright. It draws your arm. One of the things we battled um, with Sam's arms glowing in that final episode as well was there's such a, a poignant uh, discussion between the two brothers at the towards the end there when uh, Sam is talking about what he's confessed and 
it's a it's a hugely emotional moment. Now the arms themselves uh, are starting to glow throughout that scene, uh, but when we saw the first the initial uh, you know the initial um, composites of that and how the arm looked, I just I felt that the arms were just uh, although they look great in the close up because you're trying to sell the story in in those scene, scenes although they looked great. Compared to the emotions that were going on, the arms were too garish, and you tended to, they were the focus of the shot. So you'll notice we cheated a little bit in those shots where we've pulled the glow back uh, in order to not make them the focus of the shot. You really want to, uh, oh God, Jared's performance in that was was brilliant. I thought he did an an excellent, excellent job. And uh, really, again, back to what we were talking about with the eyes, you do not want to detract from the brilliant performance. So, uh, yeah, we, we toned back all the arms. So they're bright, and then they get not so bright, and then they get bright again. So those are the things that we try to do it subtly so that it's not, uh, you know, there's not bumping against other shots. But those are kind of the things that we, uh, we only find out towards the end, you know. Uh, but that's that's the fun part of it too, because it's uh, that's kind of our contribution to the show, and I think it's part of trying to sell the storyline. It's all about the story. Uh, you know, we're egocentric here because we work in visual effects. So you know, if we're scanning through a show and we're looking at the cut, and we've already watched the show, we know where they fit. Well, obviously, we can't watch the show every time we want to go and work on the visual effects. So it's more like, oh, visual effects shot, awesome. Okay, filler, filler, filler. Visual effects shot, okay filler 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 and because we have to we have to skip by all the to to get to our shots um but it's uh it's one of those things that it's always about the story it always has to be about the story so the initial you know those are part of the initial discussions that i have as a supervisor with the artists and also with the the directors and the producers is the uh the storyline that's trying to be told and the emotion that's trying to be conveyed in these in these shots you know, you want this to be very violent. You want this to be serene. You want this to look beautiful. You want it to be haunting. You want it, all those things. And that's that's the translation that has to move from our side back to the artist's side. And that's also where my uh, lead artist, Christopher Richardson, comes in because he's really the liaison artistically between me and the guys on the other side. I can say guys because this year we have all guys. Normally we have at least a few uh, female sprinkled in the mix, but this year it just worked out. We have all guys. So uh, on the other side, he really does uh, try and set. I set the tone. I do the. I have a chat with everybody over there. But as far as because I'm on set, because I'm being pulled away, I'm in meetings. He really carries that, and then uh, he's my liaison. So as things are starting to get done, or he thinks someone is straying from the storyline or from the look of the effect that's intended he'll flag that and he'll bring it up. So yeah, very important to have him on the other side. I'm, I'm lucky to have Christopher Richardson. He's a great guy. Very cool. um, we, talk, we talk a lot about the things that you add to a scene, but you mentioned a little while ago, um, like painting the wires out and such. What's been the biggest challenge as far as removing something <laughs> from the scene? Uh, very good question. Very good question. So uh, Jensen had a bit of a, an accident. Um, I guess I, I, I guess that was about uh, show five. I'm not quite sure even what episode. Like I said, it's a bit of a blur at this point. Um, but I think it was I think it was around show five or something. And, and Jensen actually fell and kind of ripped his chin open. 
And they had already shot, because the show is shot, for the most part, it's shot out of sequence. They had already shot portions of uh, the sequence. So for him to all of a sudden show up with a bruised, swollen chin would not have looked very good and would have been a bit obvious. So, uh, I, you know, I don't even remember. Ryan, you're there. Do you remember how many shots we had to do for... Uh, for his, it was uh, in the 20s or 30s, I think. Yeah, there was wow. just a where mm-hmm. So when he's moving around, there's no tracking markers. We have to go through and paint it out, and you know we're not we're they, you know we're not we have to be very careful with that beautiful face of his. So we don't want to <laughs> undo anything that's there. So we have to be. That's something that you really have to spend the extra time on because you know he's the, one of the stars of the show. So. We have to those. We have to be a little bit more particular. Uh, so yeah, so we actually did quite a few, quite a few uh, uh, chin fixes for Jensen. He was actually very appreciative. I gotta say, you know what? He bought the visual effects department a very nice bottle of scotch, with a Aww. nice little card. Yes, with a nice little card that said, uh, "Thank you for fixing my broken face. I hope this helps <laughs> take away some of the sting, Jensen." So that was very nice of him, but I think that that also shows uh, that uh, you know uh, the kind of guy he is too, because he's a real uh, he really is a team player and a joy to work with. So uh, yes, Jensen was one of those things that we had to uh, we had to paint out. I always threaten them. I said if they, you know we're joking around on set or something, and I, I always tell them, okay, you know what? I can add eighty pounds onto you very easily. So be nice. To you. <laughs> So it's uh, you know, and and then there's all kinds of things, and that's uh, you know, we we everyone's pretty well used, and we have this conversation about all the things that we do, you know, the obvious stuff with the smoke and the fire and all that, but there's also there's a uh, huge amount that's um that's taken away, like you said, uh, all of the stunts have wires involved in them, so those all have to be painted out. We have wardrobe fixes. Uh, when a stuntman is pulled with a wire, the wardrobe and the the harness that he's in tends to pull, so. Even though we paint the wire out, he's still got a bulge in his jacket where it looks like some invisible guy's got him by between the shoulder blades and is pulling him backwards. Well, we have to actually fix so the jacket is actually warped back into position as well. There's a, again, it's more of a uh, it's a technical thing because you have to go in pretty well frame by frame and repair each one of those as you go along in order to make up you know 24 frames per second we work at. So if the shot is Two seconds long, that's 48 frames that you have to go in and actually hand paint the corrections in. Uh, The good thing is is that typically the stunts and all those things are pretty quick. So it's uh, one of those things that, uh, you know, uh, doesn't take a whole heck of a lot of time to do. And uh, everybody there, I'm just going to change phones because I hear a beeping and I think that's my phone about to die. So I am just going to move over and grab a fresh phone. Wow. Hello. There we Hello. go. Seamless. <laughs> Seamless. Seamless. That was my uh, my coordinator Ryan who uh, passed off the new phone to me. So that's uh, there. He's just he's done his job. Um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. So uh, there's all kinds of uh, there's all kinds of paintouts that we do. There's uh, uh, marks. There's um, logo paintouts. Sometimes um, things are flagged from the CW uh, product labels. Uh, car logos are something that we hit quite often. You know, like there's a uh, someone being hit by a car, but there's a say a Ford logo that's prominently displayed in the scene. Well, you know, the fact that someone's getting run over by a car, Ford probably wouldn't 
be very happy with having their logo prominently displayed in that scene. So that I can understand. So uh, we just, in that case, we just, we paint out logos. Uh, there are things like um, every now and then we uh, we help out our, our DP, Serge. Sometimes in order to get the best light on the actors' faces, uh, it may be showing, like you might find a, a white bounce card or a, catch a bit of a light or something in a reflection in the car, something like that. Those are things that we try to help out as much as we can because, uh, one, it's it's time-consuming to have to reset up the lighting in a scene. Two, Serge is a great guy, so we help him whenever we can, and he's got the show absolutely looks gorgeous because of his vision. So we try to help out where we can. So sometimes we go in and we'll, we can paint out reflections here and there, and um, thankfully Serge is professional enough that we hardly ever have to do that. It's like being a mechanic on a car that never breaks down. So that's uh, that we're lucky that way. So there's a lot of stuff that just kind of passes by and, you know, uh, a lot of matte paintings that we do, things that uh, invisible effects, uh, cityscapes, changing buildings, um, those kind of things. It's all it's all part and parcel of uh, the visual effects aspect of things. The creative stuff, well, you know, that's typically more of our our beheadings and our demon smokeouts and our angel wings. But there's a certain amount of uh, process involved in that as well, and that's exactly what you spoke of, which is the uh, the paintouts and the stuff you don't see. Uh, has there been uh, a visual effect that you have created that people would be surprised to find out it was a visual effect? Oh God, that's a uh, that's a uh, uh, other than Mark Shepard. Actually, we create him in CG. So uh, yeah, he's actually just a model. <laughs> that's why he can't. That's why he canceled on our podcast. He's not really real. Yeah, sorry guys, I hate to break it to you, but there is no Mark Shepard. He's just a bunch of ones and zeros. <laughs> that explains so no. much about Mark Shepard. <laughs> uh, it's uh, you know it's that's a that's a that's a, a good question. Um, I really. Anything that I can think of, Ryan, anything you can think of that's... Uh, you know what, I think the number one thing is the exterior men of letters doesn't exist. That's a good one. The exterior men of letters is actually just a, a hill underneath a bridge. <laughs> we uh, we add the building in there. Yeah, the entire building is, that's, is yeah, CG. Great example. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's actually underneath the uh, the Second Narrows Bridge. There's actually a huge, the Iron Workers Bridge is, uh, the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge is above where they're shooting there. And that little door that they go into um, is actually goes underneath, it's, uh, it goes underneath the bridge. But uh, above them there is just the, uh, the, the big pylon for, for the bridge. So when we're looking up and we're seeing sky and all that, there's actually, it's just you're looking at the underside of a bridge. So wow. yeah, that's a, that's actually a good example. That's uh, a lot of people are surprised that that building doesn't actually exist. Uh, that was uh, that was modeled and textured by uh, Trevor, um, our lead 3D, and he did an excellent job. And those shots are tracked. And uh, there's uh, w the technology has changed um, quite a bit in the last. Uh, well, it's changing all the time. So what we can do now, as compared to what we could do, uh, I'll say season one, but even two years ago, is it really is amazing because we can do so much more with the tools uh, with the tools we have. And that's part of our job, too, is to try and push those tools as far as we can in the time we have. You know, it would be great, uh, it'd be great to be working on some, 
uh, movie, you know, uh, ILM. I think I watched Battleship not too long ago. The effects in that, first of all, you talk about being a nerd. I, I squealed like a little girl when I saw that. I think the effects <laughs> in that are absolutely beautiful. But I also heard that one of the, well, the one of the big effects in that uh, in that show took a year to finish. Well, you know, if we get eight days, we are pretty lucky. Mm-hmm. We start our R and D as soon as we can, like right out of the gate. As soon as we read the script, the it's already in the R and D department. I'm already telling people, okay, we have this. Let's see what you can do. Um, start researching shaders, uh, meaning the textures and how things reflect light, those kind of things. All of that goes in very, very early. We have to utilize all the time we can here because uh, we have to do it in such a short uh, short turnaround. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it can be uh, it can get pretty hairy. When when you're working in, uh, on the effects, do you ever think that eventually all the episodes are going to be on Blu-ray and watched on high-definition TV, and does that figure into into the work at all, or is it just absolutely? I think that most of my most of my artists that are working here now, um, they've only worked on HD projects. So uh, just as a technical thing, it's uh, 1920 by 1080 is the resolution that we work with. Uh, back when I started compositing, standard definition uh, was only like 720 by 486, so it was like less than half of what it is what you guys are seeing. Um, and was uh, really the only time we worked on high-resolution stuff is when we were working with uh, on movies, and we were working on uh, Cineon frames that were high-def because they were going back to film. Things like um, the original Stargate episodes that I was involved with, uh, those were all just standard deaf things that we were working on and we took it for granted that you know it looked great we're watching it the effects were awesome the whole bit but you blow them up to double the size and then everything kind of goes to mush here when we're working with hd it is a very unforgiving thing uh because the clarity is just so over the top People are watching these shows on uh, old black and white televisions or uh, old color televisions or new color televisions. No, they're looking at them on flat screen monitors that have the most pristine resolutions and you can see every, every mistake. Now, granted, I think that most people would be uh, hard-pressed to pick out some of the errors that I can see because I stare at at a monitor for a living. But even there are certain things that the way something moves through the frame, uh, there can be a slight halo. It can strobe a little bit because it hasn't got the right kind of uh, it hasn't got the right kind of motion blur. It just for say it's it's called a digital fingerprint, and it it's something in the way that the shot is put together that gives away the fact that it is a visual effect. I mean, besides the obvious of heads coming off and smoke coming out of mouths and stuff, this is something that you would be able to say, no, 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 that's not real because of this. So I'm a little more in tune with that, and we have to be because the working with HD and the shows that you guys are seeing, uh, and everybody across the board, including myself, um, the scrutiny that's involved with these shows, everybody's looking at it, you know, they're 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 no one really buys anything anymore. I often said that it would be cool to be able to take something like Jurassic Park and show it to somebody back in the 1920s 
I mean, they'd be bloody running out of the theater screaming. They'd think that, where the hell did you get, like, real dinosaurs? Now, you know what? The audiences are so sophisticated, and it's gotten to a level that people have seen so many spectacular things. Uh, no one is really phased by much anymore, which is fine, because I think that it should always come back to the story and the storytelling. But on the technical side, the fact that we're working in H HD, uh, it, it is a bit more of a challenge, I've got to say. You have to, you have to scrutinize things a lot more. Um, people are more sophisticated, so they're, they're looking, and, and they themselves are scrutinizing more. Uh, so, yeah, it can be a challenge. High def, high def, I love high def. In fact, I have a high def television, which is about five years old now. Now, I want to get a new television, a new high-def television, but I can't really justify that because there's technically nothing wrong with the one I have. So I'm waiting for the darn thing to die so I can get a new television. Because the, over the course of five years, just the, the, uh, the clarity of the image has just gone through the roof. It is spectacular to watch Supernatural in, it, in all its glory, particularly on, I mean, I watch it high def on television and whatnot, but really the acid test for me is when I can go back a season, like say to season seven, and I can watch the entire, the entire season on Blu-ray. For me, really, because I can pause, I can go through, I can do all my analyzing there. That's really the acid test for me. So yeah, HD, uh, it's, it's great for everybody. It's great for the viewing. It's, the audience loves it. But it's uh, it's certainly more work, and that translates outside of uh, that translates outside of visual effects as well. You have to understand that also things like the people that are working in set deck or costumes, um, all of those are open to the same kind of scrutiny that the visual effects are in HD. So any errors, threads that are hanging out of clothing, uh, dandruff on a on an actor's shoulder, all those things have to be taken care of because they're so obvious it's like you're looking at the person in real life standing three feet in front of you so any little uh, nose hair that's sticking out <laughs> you have people there are people dedicated to just nose hairs because that's <laughs> the one thing you don't want and if it happens to slip through then it comes to us and we paint mm -hmm. it out so uh high def yes i i absolutely i love high def and the fact that we're turning out the stuff we are in high def um it just it looks spectacular so yeah I I watch, I've been rewatching a lot of X Files lately, and yeah, since you know it it was filmed before you know the high def and the Blu Ray and everything, so and you can see you know little things you know that you you know didn't pay attention to when they first aired because that was you know what that was the only definition you had it was just standard regular normal, but now when you watch it on high def, it's not as pretty you know as you remember it being. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and uh, again, audiences are becoming so much more sophisticated that, uh, you know, it's, uh, ooh, well, why does it look like that? Or, you know, why are we watching it uh, at 4-3 aspect ratio? Um, everybody, you know, like, uh, the, the, the bane of my, my friends are, are quite, they, they cringe every time I come over because if they're watching something and they've got it, uh, it's either squeezed or it's elongated or it's in the wrong aspect ratio, I'm like, why are you watching this? And then I, I'm like, can we fix this? Because I, it's like, I can't get beyond the fact that they're, the actors are a little bit too skinny or they're a little bit too wide. Like, that's all I can see. It completely pulls me out of the whatever I'm watching, partly because just that's what I do. So I'm, I'm in tune with 
the small little technical aspects. And so my friends, uh, I don't get invited over to watch television very often. (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, the title cards, you all are in charge of the opening credit title cards every season, right? Too, right? Yes. Yes, we are. That's Um, actually the very first thing that we produce at the beginning of every season. Do you get to decide what will what will be in the opening credits, or you know, does someone else come to you and say, "Okay, we think it should be like this year, the you know, the tablets"? And uh, that actually starts uh, that starts with uh, for this year. That was actually starting with um, uh, Bob Singer and uh, Jeremy himself. So uh, really, it's it's having and Phil Segrish is thrown into the mix too, and Todd Arnar, and they're all the the the, uh, the uh, California crew. Um, we get we talk with them about the direction. I mean, we could create things until the cows come home and never hit the mark. So we need at least a, a head start. So our conversations are based on, and at that time, the arc of the show is is known. So thematically, the titles can reflect what the rest of the season is going to hold. Uh, as an example for this year, it was, um, what was the uh, the comment was, uh, uh, Fire Meets Indiana Jones, I think was one of the things that came up. And it was more because we were dealing with symbols and tablets and that kind of thing. In order to get it in the right direction, you kind of have to have a state of mind, like think fire and tablets, fire and tablets. Hmm, what can we do here? So glowing tablets, uh, symbols. We'll go, instead of showing tablets, we'll show symbols. And then, and from there, it just kind of it just kind of escalates, and everybody is thrown into you know I'm even thrown into the fray at those points, coming up with ideas, and and then it goes to the artists. And uh, this year was a bit of an exception because uh, Christopher Richardson um, designed the title after the discussions with uh, um, Post down south. Uh, Christopher Richardson actually designed those titles all on his own. So he was really the one artist that could go to town on those. I think uh, Werner Tenhoof was uh, also involved in that to a smaller degree. But really, out of all the years that we've done the titles, this was the year that it seemed to come together the quickest. Uh, and that was uh, that was Christopher. So he carried the creative for that. And um, I think that he did a really good job. It's dynamic. We work within a certain parameter. Uh, I think the show opener is about, I think we have about 10 seconds to tell our little story. Uh, and that doesn't change every season to season. That's the the same. It reflects obviously what it's going to be, uh, what the season's going to be about. But uh, that is definitely us. It's the first thing that we uh, that we get done. It's uh, it's a little more difficult than what we normally do because it it can be it's it's an artistic approach. There is no definite answer when we come to that. When we when we lop off someone's head, it looks quote, real or not. And little mistakes in there can be, oh, it should have a bit more blood, it should have a bit of a skin flap, it should have this. When you're looking at something like the opening titles for the show, well, it's so subjective. Anybody could say that, no, 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 it needs to be more red, it needs to be more blue, it needs to be bigger, it needs to be fatter, it needs to be thicker, it needs to be this, it needs to be that. Really, it is a, that in every, in all Across the board, it is a collaboration of everybody involved, really above all other shots, because there is no right answer for those. It's just everybody agreeing that, hey, this looks cool. It tells the story. This is what it's going to be, because we could play around with it until the cows come home, 
and uh, never get to an answer because they're artistically, as in with all art, there really is no final answer. It really is a, it's a subjective thing, and it's the emotion that's conveyed through the piece of art itself and the person who's actually looking at the art, how they perceive what they're seeing. So that way, those titles, yes, they can be a big pain in the butt, let me tell you, because there is no answer. So it's sometimes in seasons past, we have gone through dozens of iterations of titles before we finally cracked something that someone said, okay, this is the direction, and then it evolves from there. But we can be spinning our wheels for a really long time. This year, though, i got to say, it all came together very quickly. So, yes, indeed, that is a... Uh, that is uh, that is the visual effects department that uh, puts that stuff together. I, Have you I thought about? It's, well, uh, it's my favorite. I have to say, it's my favorite mm-hmm. um, credit sequence since probably the second season. The mm-hmm. second season and this season are definitely my favorites. Absolutely gorgeous. Yep. Oh, oh excellent! Mm-hmm. Excellent. Have you thought about ninth season yet, or is that like a traumatizing question? You're like, oh my gosh, I just finished eight. <laughs> Give me a week. Oh. <laughs> Calm down. Are you trying to make me cry? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's honestly, you know what? It's just uh, I'm just I'm still one. I'm 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 elated at the at the season. I just think it was such an awesome season. It really was. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about the visual effects in general. I'm just talking just the show, the crew, the producers, the, sh- the showrunner, the everything. It was just, it was such a great experience this year. I got to say, it really was a lot of fun. Uh, so, yeah, as far as uh, as far as as far as that goes, I mean, um, I, hard to uh, hard to say. It's uh, it's a uh, it can you be a lot of it can be. A, it's okay. <laughs> It's a, no, it's it's really uh, as far as like trying to hone in on season nine one. I have no idea what next season is going to be about. And to tell you the truth, I think everybody is just taking a deep breath right now. Mm-hmm. Um, partly because we're we're in between things. Everybody goes balls to the wall right at the beginning, uh, right to the end, and then it's a just a a big, it's just a big breath of air that you take, getting ready mm-hmm. for the next round. So to tell you the truth, I really haven't given it. Any thought? I'm just, you know, we made it through mm-hmm. this season relatively unscathed, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm actually, I, I am looking forward to next season. Although uh, I'm going to be traveling to uh, uh, London and Spain in about a week and a half, so really, I'm more excited about uh, brushing up on my Spanish. Yo poquito hablar español. See, say I can't even say it right then, um, <laughs> and getting ready for my vacation. <laughs> Yo hablar poquito español. I'm laughing at you. <laughs> Vinny's <laughs> Mexican, oh, yeah. so yeah, she she can help you there. There we go. So that was the first thing. That was the first thing I learned. Yo habla poquito español, just because then at least people know that I'm just a dumb Canadian boy who didn't learn their language, and I need to know how much this is. <laughs> so it's uh, you know, and I actually when I was at uh, Lost Boy Studios, I spent quite a quite a quite an amount of time in uh, Mexico City when I was down there um, uh, working with uh, Virgin Studios at the time. So on um, quite a few uh, commercial shoots that I was supervising down there. So that was always a fun, and I, I loved Mexico City. It was great. I'd love to get back there sometime. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> now, as a fan of the show, you know, 
what would be your personal favorite episode? Not one that you, you know, te- because you worked on it and you thought, you know, you, you know, you're, you did a great job. But as, as a fan of the show, what would be your personal favorite episode? Uh, I'm going to have to dig into the archives here and think back. I'm trying to think of some of the. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the one. I'll tell you as far as like I'll stick to I'll stick to this season only because it is the freshest in my mind. Uh, for me, everybody hates Hitler. Um, mm. That I for so that episode I thought was just spectacular. Like I watch the show, you know, you're watching it for the hour that you're involved in front of the television, and I swear it felt like I was in front of the television for 15 minutes. Like it's mm-hmm. just it just carried through one thing after another. The storylines were great, the characters were awesome. Um, that was another uh, Phil Segrisha actually uh, directed that one as well. Um, and just there's just the pacing, and it was just wonderful when the Gollum is actually walking around the room, they're having their conversation. Uh, that could have been an incredibly boring sequence with him just meandering around doing absolutely nothing. But the way that it's staged is just brilliant. You know, them looking at him, he's kind of circling behind Dean. Dean doesn't know if he's going to get brained by this guy. It's, it was just a good a good episode. And um, I love the period pieces because that's when the costume department just uh, goes over the top. You know, the, uh, the art department gets a chance to do... Uh, gets a chance to do uh, all of their stuff as well, building all those stellar sets. Um, they do a, they do an excellent job. And that that episode did have a lot of great effects, and it's a um, scene where Hal Linden's character, you know, went up in flames. That was amazing. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, first of all, can I just say I still feel bad about burning... Uh, come on, Barney Miller. I grew right. up with this guy. <laughs> and it was such a thrill. Like I said, you know, it's um, it, it's probably, uh, it's not very professional uh, to get that geeked out on stage. I mean, I have a, a certain, when I'm on set, I'm the supervisor, so, you know, I have a professional kind of aura. But as a film geek and a genre geek, particularly the horror genre, it still freaks me out that I'm sitting across from Hal Linden. Like, it really, it does. That way, I am such a geek. And that way, if anything, that way, I can totally, I can empathize with all of the fans because I get freaked out, too. Uh, Working with Hal Linden and, uh, oh, God, there's so many people. I got a chance to meet Linda Blair. Oh, my God. That's, you know, Linda Blair, The Exorcist, obviously. uh, That was a movie that was one of my all-time favorite horror movies. And... When the supervisor at that time, I was lead artist, Ivan Hayden was the supervisor at that time, and he came in knowing that I was a fan of the movie, uh, came in and stood over my desk and said, guess who's going to be on the show? And I said, who? He goes, think demon. I'm like, "Mm, no idea. He said, think pea soup. And instantly I got that and I went, oh my God, are you kidding me? He's like, nope, she's going to be on the show. And I went, oh, I so have to be on set. You have to get me on to set. Technically, as the artist, I, there was no reason for me to get on set. But I picked up my 35, and, uh, you know, I picked up my digital camera. Uh, we were doing a – she wipes a mirror that we have to reveal a ghost standing behind her, which was going to be my shot anyways. But I went and took a bunch of stills and got a picture of her hands and the whole bit. And I still have a picture of me with my arm around Linda Blair, and it sits on my desk. Because for me, Aww. it was like, that was just a, uh, 
it means absolutely probably nothing to anybody. But for me, that was kind of, I had come full circle at that point. I think that's what that meant in my own noggin was, uh, you know, you, you grew up, you were a fan of movies. You were a fan of movies that took place behind the scenes, those kind of things. Uh, these were the people that you, you looked at and marveled at. And, and I get a chance, particularly that movie, I was, it freaked me out. Um, just the fact that I'm getting a chance to meet the person who, in my mind, was the, was the, the catalyst for all those, uh, all those emotions, all the excitement, all the fear, all the, the nights I couldn't go to sleep really meant something. So for me that was uh that was a big turning point. So you know that those are the perks is I get a chance to I get a chance to meet some celebrities too. I get to work alongside uh Jared and Jensen. Uh I mean awesome guys. I get a chance to uh work with Mark Shepard. Uh I got a chance to work with Amanda Tapping. Can I just say I think I have a crush on Amanda Tapping. She's awesome. I love Amanda Tapping. She's mm-hmm. so nice. She really is. She was just such a pleasure mm-hmm. to work with. So I still keep great with Naomi too. It's wonderful. Oh, she was great as Naomi. Yeah, mm-hmm. she totally was, and just and so so nice. Really, just just so sweet. So I get a chance to deal with these people, and it's nice when you get a chance to to coin a phrase off the show to find out that they're not douchebags. Mm-hmm. Because you know that's you 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 have a certain expectation, then you meet them, and God forbid that mm-hmm. they happen to be an ass or something, and then you're the whole fandom portion kind of melts away and, you know, nobody wants that slap of reality. So it's mm-hmm. nice when you find out that the people, they're, they're just generally nice people. So, uh, yeah, so working with Hal Linden and getting a chance to uh, to work with a few people in between, you know, Ty Olson, super nice guy. I, I've been very, very fortunate. The, the cast and crew over this scene has just been dynamite. I, I really am fortunate. I, I count my blessings, I really do. It's uh, one of those things I expect the bubble to burst at any moment, um, and I'm perfectly prepared for that to happen, but Lord knows I'm going to enjoy it while I'm here. So uh, mm-hmm. I consider myself a very lucky boy. Um, well, we, we've met several of you know the cast and crew through the years, and every one of you guys is just absolutely amazing. We have yet to meet a douchebag, so you all <laughs> <laughs> never once. Not yet. <laughs> and, and, and as a as a fan, you're that's kind of a fear because you know you don't right want somebody to disappoint you as a person. And we've yet to have any cast or crew disappoint us as a person. Nope. Well, that, that that's that's good. I mean, it mm-hmm. shows that the uh, the douchebags are uh, few and far between. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, and it's when you're working these these guys. You know, we work our uh, we work our 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 days. They work their days. Um, they're working twelve hours on set in close proximity to each other, and it has to be a well-oiled machine. And if you have anyone, a crew member, a cast member, anyone like that, that is uh, decided that they're going to become a diva, that. Uh, somehow that everybody else is around to serve them, it really does throw a wrench into the morale of the entire the entire show. Everybody's uh, busting their asses to turn out the best thing that they can, and it really has to be collaborative across the board. So we're lucky that, uh, you know, everybody's on board with that and that the show can really roll in an artistic manner and everybody can keep adding to it and fueling it. And the culmination of all those of all those artistic visions really is what we get a chance to enjoy, and I include myself in that, 
uh, at the very end when it goes to air. That includes the actors, the set design, the costumes, the visual effects, the, oh, God, who am I forgetting, the transport, uh, the actors themselves, the producers, the directors, the writers, everybody. It all comes down to that one final product. It still astounds me that anything happens on the day when they yell action, that every there's hundreds of people that have all come together to make that moment happen. Like at that moment that they call action, there is a culmination of so many artistic visions that it astounds me that it gets done at all. It really does. It still does. I'm still, mm-hmm. I'm still amazed by the process. And I always mm-hmm. said that as soon as I walk onto set and I don't get a little giddy, then it's time for me to change jobs. Then I'll go into gardening. Instead of visual effects or uh, working in, uh, on television, I'll, I'll start gardening. I'll grow hostas or something good like that. <laughs> but for the time being, I'm having too much of a good time and enjoying it. It's a, it's a hoot. It really is. Good. Well, we're still having a good time watching, so it, it's working. We're, we're glad. Well, <laughs> well, what did you guys think this year with, as far as the uh, story arc and whatnot goes? How did you think, it's, uh, how did you think it played out? I thought it was uh, it was just great, you know, from beginning to end. This, you know, it was just mm-hmm. an amazing season. Uh, you know, I just loved it. I was, Jer- having Jeremy Carver back on the show, I think, really, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, pumped a little, you know, a bit extra into it, and it, it was just a great, great season. It it we talked about this a couple of podcasts ago. I said that you know I've I've, I've been a huge fan of. Supernatural for for all its seasons, but and and loved it. But but it's eight seasons old. But this season, I just so it was like we'd settled into this like really like happy, comfortable relationship, and I love the show and everybody. But this season, it's like I just like rediscovered my falling in love with Supernatural. <laughs> there was just I'm something exactly. special about it. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I would totally agree. I thought that as showrunner, Jeremy did a, did an awesome job, just a fabulous job. Uh, it, it just the, I think the show just, um, it just seemed uh, like the show was freshened up a little bit. New take on mm-hmm. characters. Um, I thought that uh, Misha Collins' character uh, got a chance. To, he did an awesome job. Uh, his character got a chance to uh, grow a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, Overall, I'm just I'm I'm, t- I'm glad that you're happy with the with the season because that was my perception too. Again, outside of all of that, besides the visual effects, I'm along for the ride just like you are. Because as the scripts come through, well, I really don't have any as far as the way the show is written. I have no say in that at all. I mean, as far as the visual effect goes, well, then I have my input and I have my uh, my vision that I that I I share. And sometimes they accept, sometimes they reject. Uh, but it's always collaborative, and that's the good part. But uh, I just think that he knocked it out of the park this year. I thought that it came together so nicely. Um, it was a really mm-hmm. good season. Um, uh, I enjoyed this season very much. I'm glad you did too. Yeah, and um, we thought that, I mean, Supernatural, it had gotten, I mean, it's it's always meant to have been, so things are difficult and dark, and Sam and Dean have had a very rough life, But and even though many terrible, difficult things happened this season. There were also real moments of hope and emotion, and we hadn't seen that in a little while. And I, I just felt like even when things were tough, that there was 
something good, definitely something hopeful about it. And, yeah, it was great. Absolutely. I thought that uh, as far as the way that the the relationship between the boys uh, had evolved over the course of the season, um, you know, both of them were Mm -hmm. were able to, uh, to play it to the nth degree. I mean, uh, Jensen's uh, Jensen's character. I mean, I, how can you not like Dean? Really? How can you not right, like right. Dean? Right, right. So mm-hmm. and and Sam. Sam's just a Sam's just a just a great guy, you know. And the two of them together with their individual personalities. Um, that's part of the reason why the show has lasted eight years. I mean, if you had mm-hmm. put two people there that didn't have the chemistry, that didn't play as brothers on the show. Well then, really, the rest of the story is going to fall apart because the believability is gone. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, again, I just thought that it played wonderfully this year. Mm. One yeah. of the things that was really cool and kind of pepped everything up is the Men of Letters bunker. I mean, that's turned out to be pretty awesome. Doing now, what do you think of that set, huh? Oh, that oh, is gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. That's uh, Jerry Wanaka uh, and his vision. I mean, that set astounded everybody. Uh, you you mm. cannot walk in there and just be swept away by the wonder of it all because it's it's so realistic. It is as you see it. I mean, it it looks real, and you have to. I do it. Anybody who gets onto that set does exactly the same thing. They go over to the walls and they have to touch the walls to see if they're real or to see what they're made of. It never fails. And, and I laugh every time I see, because every now and then I'll do a tour or I'll bring students in or something like that and to, in order to give them a little bit of a uh, behind-the-scenes look. And I, I get a kick out of it because it's never that you see. They know they're not supposed to touch anything, but there's inevitably there's one or two that has to reach out and just kind of touch the wall just to see, mm-hmm. is it made of foam? Is it made of? And usually it's made of foam or wood when it's meant to look like marble. So mm-hmm. it's all part of the illusion, but that set, I have to say, that that set was astounding. The health set uh, was also uh, beautiful. Um, when uh, they have to go back and uh, when Sam is going back to rescue Bobby, mm-hmm. when they're down, uh, when they're in hell, that set, uh, that was uh, part of that was a visual effect. There was a green screen at either end of this. The set itself is huge. It was just, it was this long kind of curving hallway. But at either end was a green screen, and we continued the set and the curve around the edges to make it look like it was uh, ongoing. But the set itself, and with Serge's lighting, it looked dynamite. It was, and Mm -hmm. then of course, you know, sets are, the Men of Letters um, is is probably going to be sticking around, so they haven't taken that one down. However, I believe that the hell set has been taken apart. And it's one of those things that you're almost sad to see it go. Like, you can't believe that something that beautiful is just going to be dismantled and put away. Uh, That's another another joy about being... We, in my uh, previous uh, jobs, I mean, I've I've been working in visual effects already for over 20 years. And the, uh, the one good thing about being... On, like an in-house facility as we are here, instead of a show taking, filming at a studio and uh, sending the shots out to a facility to work on, here we have the luxury of being right where they film the show. So only a few paces away from us, we have wardrobe 
in case we need to photograph something. I can just duck up and talk to Lou Bolo, the stunt coordinator, uh, about any questions. They can contact me, and it's more of a it's it's way more interactive. And the another good thing about that too is that it gives me a chance to uh, bring the artist to set for inspiration. Uh, of course, everything is shot before we get our hands on it, so. It, it it just tends to um, fire up the artists. As an example, the hell set is to be able to bring the guys onto the hell set to show them what it feels like to be on the set, with the premise that somehow that's going to uh, that's going to be translated into the work they provide and give it the uh, the detail it deserves because those sets are so cool. So we are quite we are quite fortunate here. That's uh, if I had my druthers. After Supernatural has gone its way and has done its thing and has thrilled audiences worldwide, if I had my druthers, I would move on to another show that was an in-house facility because I just I dig the interactive nature with all of the uh, different crews, um, all of the different departments, and the fact that we can interact on such a, uh, a personal face-to-face level. I really think it, re- it brings something to the show. So as far as the uh, the sets and stuff goes, uh, yeah, it can be uh, it can be a lot of fun, and in-house facilities definitely uh, definitely a lot of fun because we get a chance to be right there where the action's happening. Mm. Okay, supernatural is not ever going to end, so it's okay. Mm. Yeah, no, 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 it's infinite. Didn't I tell you that? We've been signed yeah, up you know, for another forty years. Jensen, Jensen and Jared's children are just going to grow up and take over <laughs> as the demon. <laughs> There you go, yeah. Little known fact. Uh, you know, uh, Warner Brothers has said, no, uh, Supernatural is going to be around forever. So <laughs> We got an exclusive you know? right there. <laughs> yeah, there, a new scoop. We are never going away. This show will never end. <laughs> so as much as I wish that was true. But uh, you know, and at some point it'll 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 run its it'll run its way mm-hmm. and uh audiences all over the world in different languages are going to be better off for it because they got a chance to go on this really incredible ride with these uh these characters to god forbid you know it, it's such a it's a bit of a sore point when you when you bring up the fact that it's it's a, a bit of a duality because you you were so in tune with the characters themselves Sam and Dean seem like such real people that it's hard to fathom that they're characters on a television show and it's almost blasphemous mm-hmm. to even broach that subject but that's part of it it's it really is part of the life cycle you know these characters are going to be here and one day they will live on in reruns and for the people that went along with the ride they are better for it they have had a blast and should they decide to go on the ride again hey that's what uh, that's what the blu-rays are for so mm. it's uh it all it all works out. That's the magic of television, I think, is the fact that when you see something you really like, you can watch the hell out of it until you're sick of it. Mhm. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, you know, during hiatus, that's what we do. You know, we spend the time going over, you know, our DVDs, Netflix, you know, watching Supernatural over and over, waiting for it to come back in the fall. So. Well, you that's guys are lucky doing. because you get uh, you get uh, Supernatural on Netflix, correct? For some reason here in Canada, the Canadian Netflix, we don't have Supernatural. So I have to, yeah. I have to go into the archives here and grab my uh, 
grab my old DVDs or uh, some of the shows that we get, and uh, that's how I have to watch them. But uh, you guys are lucky there. At least you have access to that stuff. One day we we will, I, I would imagine. Vinny hmm. uh, and I were um, up in Vancouver actually back in November, and we, you know, pulled out my Netflix account because I'm like, hey, let's watch some Doctor Who because he hadn't caught up with all the Doctor Who episodes. And I was just totally amazed that Doctor Who is not on the Netflix in Canada. And I'm like, I was just you guys had none of the new Who. <laughs> <laughs> We're not, you know, it's funny that uh, it's uh, it, it's amazing that uh, there's so many people that are clamoring for the show that it's uh, it's not available in more places. I I don't know how the uh, the distribution process works, but uh, I know that more people would be watching if more was available. And maybe that's the yeah. whole uh, maybe that's the whole digital push, right? Like accessibility to older shows, and I think that's the uh, the advantage of things like Netflix um, and the other services that provide uh, uh, movies that you can watch on demand. Is because that's the way life has changed, right? We want to be able to watch Supernatural, not necessarily just on a Wednesday night. So you would like to be able to watch it whenever, or if you miss it, being able to jump back whenever you so feel like it and watch it immediately without having to, uh, you know, ask a friend or downloading it or something like that. Right, right. And the the network, the CW, they will put the episode up on their website the morning after it airs live, but it's only available for American viewers, and there's so many viewers of this show, international viewers, that you know, it's hard for them because they have no access to that. So it would be nice to have a, an international way, accessible way, while it's and still keep it legal. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's part of the uh, part of the exterior portion that kind of uh, hovers around all of the wonderful things that we talk about, all the excitement we have for the for the show, our our love for the characters, all of that stuff. There's this other entity that kind of floats outside all of that. It's the uh, the big marketing money machine that is uh, pushing all of this along and making sure it's available to certain people and whatnot. And it's a little bit scary because it is so contrary to the uh, uh, to the enjoyment that everybody gets from the show itself. And then there's this other uh, this other big machine outside, which uh, I am certainly not privy to. Um, that uh, takes the show in in different directions. It's available here. It's not available there. Uh, who makes those decisions? I have no idea. But uh, you know, it's uh, the people are just clamoring to get their hands on these shows, and it's really that accessibility that people want. Um, and eventually, you know what? I I really believe that that's just that's just going to happen. I believe it's going to happen. You know, who knows? Um, At some point, uh, the the next generation is going to be digging up. Uh, <laughs> you know, who knows? And 2114, someone will be digging up old archives of Supernatural. So, you know what, I found this show from, like, years ago, from the Dark Ages, when, uh, you know, they actually had actual television instead of uh, holograms. And it's an actually really cool show. You should check it out. It's on, uh, it's on, it's on Netflix. So, you know, hopefully that's the way that things will go. Is it really the accessibility? It's, uh, yeah, people want, people want their entertainment. And, um, and once when it comes down to a to like the actual fan base, this is the show and these characters, because of the brilliance of the actors who play them, they are as real to people as anyone else. They carry all the same emotion. You empathize, you sympathize, you cry with them, you laugh with them. 
um, for all intents and purposes, they are their own ent- entities, and uh, it's uh, that's really an amazing part, and I think that's what people clamor for. So, particularly uh, when it's a good show like ours. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this is true. Yes. No argument there. This has just been an amazing season, and I just can't wait to see what y'all will have for us next season. And, and I don't want to have to wait till October. It's like, can't you can't you put in a you know war with somebody there and get it you know get it showing sooner, like July, say maybe. <laughs> Well, you know, Jeremy and I are like this, and you can't see me right now, but I'm holding my hands way, way apart from each other. So, <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's uh, I I really am looking forward to season nine as much as you guys are, uh, and because part of the mystery is there for me too, um, and I actually for me I would say it's even better for me because one I get a chance to eventually watch the show it's in its entirety and uh, see all of the things that kind of went into getting it to that point. But I also get a chance to, to work on it too. I also get a chance to, to put my own spin on things as best I can. And, you know, uh, I get a chance to work with dynamite people. So really for me, it's uh, it, it really is uh, two-sided. It's, it's great on, on two halves. Um, I get a chance to see the evolution and I get a chance to enjoy the final product as a fan myself. So uh, I really I can't complain about that. I, I think I have the best job in the world, actually. So that's uh, that's a good thing. Oh, real quick, one thing I wanted to ask about was um, the episode this season where we finally saw the Hellhounds. Um, oh, the Hellhound t- episode, yes. Yes. Can you can you tell us about creating the Hellhounds and how you came up with the look for them? Uh, absolutely. The uh, the Hellhound. Um, there was a few things that actually uh, they changed a little bit in uh, in the evolution of things uh, because again uh, because of our short turnaround on the show. Something um, as elaborate as a uh, quadruped, something that's walking on all fours, that has to be living, that has to be breathing, uh, that takes an incredible amount of time and and just an incredible level of artistry within that big amount of time in order to pull that off really effectively. So there are certain shortcuts that we have to take along the way in order to be able to meet our deadlines. One was, uh, as far as the model goes, uh, the model is a modified dog model, um, which, we had, uh, which we had actually purchased for the show. There just wouldn't have been enough time to be able to get the model build it, rig it, the whole bit. However, using an existing quadruped, we could pull our points, we could modify the dog, we could sculpt it to a point that, and and accelerate the process of actually having a physical dog available to us to animate. So that was really, that was the first thing. The second was the actual look. Well, you know, again, we get into hellhounds, uh, not exactly like we can hop on the internet and find a real reference of a hellhound. So, Really, it's open to the artistry of our guys. So everybody starts spitballing. We start uh, coming up with uh, with concepts. Um, some of the guys take it to the point of uh, animating uh, animating the dog with flames coming off it. Uh, the dog was uh, was hairy. The dog was spiny. The dog was uh, eventually transparent. Um, 
that was just the way that the the direction took, and that was working alongside, uh, and that was working with LA um, as well in order to de- define the look of the dog. Uh, and then, as far as the supervision aspect goes, we actually had, and there, I'm sure that there's a picture kicking around someplace on the net of our big styrofoam dog. We had a cutout of a foam core of a of the life size hellhound. It was just a silhouette with a big, huge, long tail. Um, that we actually had on set, and we used it because the scale of this dog was uh, about just below, from from the head to the toe, was actually just below, uh, I'm six feet tall, so it had been just from below my armpit to the ground. But lengthways, the dog was probably about, with the tail, was probably about eight feet long. It's, it, was a, it was a big, <laughs> it was a big meandering beast. In order to convey the size to the actors and to the crew and to the cameramen who have to film this thing that isn't really there, uh, I had this foam core hellhound created so I could bring it to set. So that was another thing that we had to do, and that was on set. This is where the dog's going to be. It's standing here. It's going to pad over here, and, and we could actually walk the dog through, and that kind of helped solidify it in everybody's minds um, as far as where their eye lines were what they were actually going to be seeing, that kind of thing. That helped things along the way. That was handed over to uh, Steve McLeod, was the uh, compositor who ended up diving into that. And uh, along the way, I think it was uh, Trevor who was working on the 3D for that. And it was, uh, the dog itself was a challenge because um, we had to spend, uh, there was a lot of time animating it. There were several artists that had to work on that. Getting the uh, the cadence of uh, of a hellhound down um, was uh, extremely difficult because in the animation portion, you know, we're looking at motion studies, but you don't want it to look too light on its feet. It can't be walking too slow. It has to look like it's bulky. Um, all of those things translate in ways that it's absolutely amazing the way that the human eye uh, can interpret movement. Here we have this invisible dog that's plodding along, but there's enough distortion in the background, even though it's transparent, that you can totally read how it's walking. Uh, we had to adjust walk cycles. Uh, eventually, the <laughs> eventually the dog got docked. We found that the tail was problematic, and although the model itself looked like a hellhound with a longer tail, when it went transparent the tail was actually distracting and actually read as something more along the lines of a panther or a cougar or something else with a long tail. So it ended up giving it almost a feline. So at pretty well at, at hour zero, we lopped the tail off the hellhound and I continued on. <laughs> so that the evolution of that was probably, that was probably one of the more, I'll say that that was actually one of the most difficult shots uh, and used up the most resources in order to accomplish that. Um, there were things that, uh, like the rig, when he's slicing, uh, Sam is slicing the dog open, uh, there are things, you know, there are times when I wish that I could step back and say, no, 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 let's do it this way. Uh, that's one of those times. I really, with the way that we had the model built and the whole bit, I really think that if, if at any point over the course of um, any of the seasons, uh myself as a supervisor, a lead artist, fell short, was really in that final sequence when the dog was coming together. I really think we could have pushed that a lot further. But the task of creating the dog to begin with was daunting, to say the least, in the amount of time we had. And uh, by the time it came together, 
Um, we had everything shot, and uh, I'm actually I'm actually happy that in that case I think less was more. Although I wish that we could have gone back and shot things a few other ways to really highlight the dog. At the time, I think it was the right decision to uh, pull back a little bit because it gave us more time to work on the dog itself and actually help you know solidify it and anchor it into those scenes. So. The hell was a challenge. There was uh, there were invisible this invisible thing walking around leaving footprints. It has to get shot with blood coming out of it. Uh, it's, it's breathing down uh, Dean's uh, neck. Uh, it has to be standing over Sam. Uh, that shot where he's actually the dog is trying to uh, uh, grab his face and he's holding it back with his hand. Uh, that shot went entirely digital because the action. Of uh, that uh, Jared had as he was holding the dog back, although he was doing a good job with what he had in front of him, which was absolutely nothing, keep in mind. Um, <laughs> we needed it for that sequence. We needed it to be uh, a lot more violent. So we separated out the plates. While it was there, um, I had made sure that we had separated out all the plates, meaning that we had a background, we had Sam, um, everything could be isolated. Uh, and then we ended up projecting his hand back onto a piece of geometry uh, and uh, being able to animate the dog and having the hand attached to it rather than the other way around than having a real hand and having to match the dog to the movement of the real hand because then it would have taken something a little uh, away. It wouldn't have been as violent. So that way, um, as far as those shots go, they were I would say that those were probably some of the most challenging shots that we had done. I think that it's uh, overall I was very happy with the look, but, geez, everybody, you know, that's one of those things that, ah, uh, God, I wish that if we had, uh, give me another week, give me another week, please, um, but you know what? They're just going to not air a show because I want to work on a hellhound a little bit longer. You know, I'd love to be able to give the guys more time to be able to really nail it in. But we do the very best with the time and the resources we have. And uh, for the most part, we knock it out of the park. So although that is those, that's not my favorite sequence out of the entire uh, show. I was still very happy with the way that uh, the guys brought it together, and I think it worked well in the show. Again, I think it told the story very well. So that way, that uh, that was our uh, our hellish hellhound. <laughs> well, we thought it looked great, so we you know mm. we thought it was awesome. Awesome, thank you, thank you. Um, like I said, the guys really uh, they did go to town, and uh, I think that uh, uh, as far as the story goes, I think it worked great. That was actually um, our first AD, Kevin Parks. That was uh, his first episode that he got a chance to direct as well. And uh, he was great to work with. Um, just the, the collaboration process with him um, having to <laughs> stage and choreograph these shots that don't that have this big meandering thing wandering through these shots and when there's nothing there, uh, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a riot. And uh, Kevin uh, Kevin had the vision to be able to uh, to, to work, to collaborate, to really bring that out. So it was uh, fun working with him, too. Well, we're, uh, I noticed we're live show's almost over. Got about five minutes left in the live show, don't we, Susan? Yes. yes we has do. it been two hours? Yes, it has. has. <laughs> you know, it goes very fast. It really, yes. it does. It really, it does. Mm -hmm. uh, get me on uh, talking about uh, all of uh, 
all of this stuff, and once I start to geek out, that's it. You can't shut me up. So if I've made anybody's ears bleed, I apologize. <laughs> oh, my God, you've been awesome. <laughs> yeah, no. Seriously. No. We could sit and listen to geeking out with a bunch of geeks, so we love it. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> love it. Well, Is and above there... all, you know what, like I said, I think uh, I think you guys, I think as far as this type of forum goes where – uh, people can be a little bit more connected to the show. They can talk to the stars. They can talk to the crew. They can talk to anybody that's involved. Um, I know exactly, like, for me, it's the same thing with, like, it's when I met Linda Blair. It's There's some kind of connection to this thing we call a television show or a movie or a character and our affinity for these characters. And uh, I just think that you guys have the right forum, and uh, we're all very appreciative that you... You actually you take the time to let us ramble on and uh, tell our sides of the stories too, because uh, you know we're not the ones that uh, that people see when when the final thing is aired. But uh, God, it, it gives us a chance to talk about the good time we have while we're doing it. Oh, well, we're thrilled to have you on, my gosh, because it's it's great for us to be able to actually tell the people behind our favorite show, one of our favorite shows, how how much we like something or find out how something was done because we puzzle over those things sometimes in the podcast or be able to say thank you and and how much we appreciate it and enjoy it or just it's just great to be able to actually talk back to us that you know uh this supernatural cast and crew and because um, not every show we're very lucky not every show is willing to interact like that with fans on something like this so and, and don't ever, yeah, you're very welcome. And you know what? Don't dismiss the fact that uh, you know uh, all of the uh, the love that we feel out there and all the support that we get from the fans. You know, when it is still a job, and on those days that uh, it becomes a little heavy or it becomes a little bit overwhelming, uh, mm-hmm. you know what? All it takes is to uh, open Twitter and see the amount of appreciation, the amount of joy that the show itself. Uh, brings and how people enjoy it, and that's uh, that's fuel enough. It really is. So uh, I thank you guys too. Okay. That it's just yeah, it's great to hear. And like she said, we are we are just lucky to have such a, uh, an amazing cast and crew who who like you guys to just you know will communicate with us. Not like she said, not all of them do. And, and we just like, you know, being able to tell you what we feel. You can tell us how you feel. We can learn all this, all kinds of things about the show that means so much to everybody. And it's just an amazing, amazing show, amazing fandom, and we're very proud to be a part of it. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know what? So am I. So, again, uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. For, and Ryan? Thank you so much for being there too. Yep. Yeah, no problem. I'm I'm really good at listening. <laughs> I didn't th- I didn't think he was ever going to stop. <laughs> I thought we were going to have to roll it right over into season nine. <laughs> when did you get so smart, Mark? When did you learn all that stuff? I don't know, Ryan. I just do it as I say. It's like being on set. I just make it up as I go along. <laughs> That's the way to do it. There you go. <laughs> Thanks so much for having us, girl. Thank you. Thanks. We'd love to have you back next season too. So, yes. Well, done deal. I look forward to it. We'll we'll have we'll we'll have new stories to tell. Woohoo! Great we like stories. Yes. All right. Thank we you. Thank stories. you so much, guys, and uh, and take care. Be well. Thank, Thank you. Thanks, y'all. Bye. See you next season. Yeah. Bye. Have a great Bye. break. Bye.
Have a great break. Thank you. Thank you. Time off. Enjoy Bye-bye. London Bye-bye. and Spain. <laughs> uh, adios. <laughs> oh, those are oh, my. amazing. Oh. They're amazing. They were awesome. They? Yes, they're awesome. Yeah. We are counting down the seconds, so if there's anything we need to quickly say, uh, thank you, for everybody listening, and all the questions you sent. And uh, Oh, well, quickly, we should announce that over the summer, we will be doing um, the occasional podcast, just to get everybody yeah. through the latest. Mm-hmm. We're going to uh, revisiting, revisiting um, the first and second season primarily, but kind of a mishmash, too. So yeah, we'll we're be, gonna we'll have be, some fun. We'll be podcasting this summer to get you through the holidays. So it's the first time so. we've done it. We're very excited about it. Oh. Thank everybody for listening, and we will be having a podcast with the uh, sacrifice discussion. Yes. Oh. oh, are we do, are we doing that tomorrow or in a few weeks? Uh, the uh, roundtable. Or just oh, or, girls. Yes. Oh, I'm excited about that. <laughs> Any discussion uh, of sacrifice. <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> I thought she went. To, I thought she went just the three of us. But no, we have a surprise for everybody too. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We I just meant in general. Like, like anything you wanted to say. <laughs> if y'all want to talk a few minutes right now about the show about sacrifice. Um. How can I put everything I feel into a few minutes? How how do you want that? I know, I know. Yeah, it would be impossible. (laughs) We can save it till uh, next week if you want to do one next week. Uh, Yeah, or we want to figure out what to do, um, get the girls together, figure out a day. And it should be within the next two weeks. Yeah, the only um, Saturday that I won't be available will be um, June 1st because my son's graduating high school. So, Yay. The 25th. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, June 1st. So, I, have a, I have a baby shower to go to as well, so I won't be available for that week either. So it'll be sometime in the near future, but not June 1st. Yeah. So, we will, of course, announce it, I'm sure, to make sure everybody can tune in. You guys are great at tweeting all the all the supernatural news and events and podcast uh, updates and everything else. And that certainly doesn't slow down too much over the summer. So you can um, check in with winchesterbros.com, our website, Winchester Bros on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you can listen to this uh, podcast by going to our website and clicking on the Winchester Radio logo on the side. We're at MediaBoulevard.com slash MediaBoulevard as well. I'm sorry, BlogTalkRadio.com slash MediaBoulevard. You can get us at iTunes. You can find out uh, anything else you need to know about Supernatural on Facebook, Twitter, etc. And we'll definitely keep you updated on our podcast discussion for Sacrifice. And all the other fun things we're going to have planned for the summer. I cannot wait to start talking about the first season and starting with the pilot. That should be so much fun. I know, especially coming at it from a perspective of eight eight years later. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, we'll, we'll still try and get some guests for the podcast, so it should be, some, should be a lot of fun. Talk about the older episodes. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I'm excited. Yep. 
Yeah. Great season. So, yeah. so right now I'm also I... hungry. Sorry? <laughs> what? I said, but right now I'm also hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I was waiting for y'all. But it'll, be fun, it'll be fun to also look back over the entire eighth season now that we've seen every episode and see where things came from and where seeds were planted and anything that we think was missed or not finished or all came together, whatever. Anyway. Oh, I have so many uh, boxes, Helix, so many. Mm, I know. Okay. Well, thanks, you guys. We had a fun time. Thanks again to Mark Malosh and Ryan Curtis. Um, hopefully um, Ryan will be able to talk a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Mark was fantastic. He had such wonderful stories, but Ryan is fun too. So hopefully, you know, next time we'll, we can hear a little bit. Um, I did. I did love having two people though. It was fun. Yes, and they they were mm-hmm. both just. Oh, I could just sit and just talk to them for days. They were just amazing, and mm-hmm. so we loved it. And you know, um, Mark mentioned, and Becky and I have seen it, but. The trailers that they work out of—they're not kidding. They're—they're—it's just a little trailer. Teeny tiny. And the, I mean, the like work that they produce out of these <laughs> is fantastic. Yeah, it's not—it's exactly like walking to some kind of lot and being like, "Oh, trailer right there." It's—it's it's just standard size. And so the work uh, that they produce out of it is—it's it, mind blowing. Mm. Yeah, the, the trailers basically have two offices in them, and they just work out of each mm-hmm. one of those and. They're, and they're little bitty offices, and yeah, they're awesome. They, they get so much work done out of just a little bitty space. Wow! Oh, so they get so even more. Um, by them. Oh, it's even more amazing. It really is. It's phenomenal what they what they can do with that. Mm. All right. So, I guess we're good. It's dinner time. <laughs> and until next next podcast. Yeah, yeah well, maybe yeah. maybe possibly this coming Saturday. So we'll keep you we'll keep you all up to date to let you know. We'll keep you posted. Keep an eye out on Twitter, Facebook, our website, and that's it. Thanks everybody, Hi, everybody for listening. Yep. Good night. Bye.